Hello and welcome back. My name is Rich. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. And today we're talking about why you need to do something hard every single freaking day. We have Mark Gaudette on, who is a Spartan Pro Team member and an active member in the military. Mark is fresh off a seventh place finish at the first stop of the Spartan U.S. National Series in Jacksonville. And he's poised for a really big year uh, whenever that year uh, continues. But the thing with Mark is he has this really wide-ranging background, including a collegiate basketball player, and he's completed the best Ranger competition, including a top-five finish. He also has a top-five finish in World's Toughest Mudder and was 15th at the Spartan World Championships, top 15 at Spartan World Championships last year. And like I mentioned, he's already top 10 off of a sprint finish in Jacksonville earlier this year. So he's a huge range. And he's physically and mentally as tough as anyone. So we get into the weeds quite a bit on how you can put these mental stress practices into your training to make you a better athlete. So we cover how to prepare for these 24-plus-hour events like Best Ranger or World's Toughest Mudder with a full-time job. We talk about why you need to do something hard every day to help your training and racing and how to balance your training program to continue to progress and attack your weaknesses. So Mark's an absolute beast, but he's also very humble and refreshing. I think you'll enjoy his podcast very much as I did. So if you do like the podcast, please give us a rating review on iTunes. It would mean a bunch. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. And here is Mark Gaudet. Mark Gaudet, my friend. What's up, man? Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of do a deep dive on on your training and your your history. We we're just talking off air, and you do have like this big, crazy, broad spectrum of like in your background that kind of leads itself into some of your OCR success. But before we get into that, I'm just going to ask you a couple random questions, okay? Yeah, go for it. All right. So, what's your favorite movie? Oof. I think probably I'd say Saving Private Ryan is probably my favorite movie. Do Do you have to say that being in the military? Do you have to? <laughs> ha, does it have to be a military movie? Like no. Black Hawk Down has to be it or something. Or yeah, it's actually, a bad movie to watch, right? Yeah, that, yeah, they're actually probably both pretty bad to watch. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Black Hawk Down would be more fitting. Serving in the seventy fifth Ranger Regiment, I don't know why that wasn't my top choice. So. Yeah. Did you see the, I mean, you have two, you have two little ones, right? I do. Yep. So do you probably don't get to the movies very much? Yeah, we do. I think the last one, movie we saw was, uh, God, it was Sherlock gnomes. Not sure if you, you probably didn't make it out to that one. <laughs> unfamiliar. <I'm> unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to catch. I was going to ask about that. 1917 was like the war movie this year. It's supposed to be great. haven't seen it, but maybe catch that. We have some, you have some downtime now. Maybe you can catch some movies. Yeah. We, yeah. We caught that one. It was oh, you did? pretty good. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. I'll have to check it. Cool. So you have, oh, I, I spoke briefly about your broad background, but you're a baller, a big baller. We'll talk about that. And during the NBA draft, they give all of their, the draft prospects like a rating. And then they give them a comparable player, like a current player, past player, like, LaMelo Ball coming out is getting Penny Hardaway player comps. So you as a player, who is your NBA player comp? Oof. So you're talking NBA specific, correct? Yeah. Just like whatever, like what skill set of an NBA player do you possess? Maybe not at their level, but if you saw your, like, like what's your game modeled after? So probably in, in my heyday. So this is taking us back. So in college people, people used to say I played like Mike Bibby. If you can Maybe. go back that far, yep, totally. Like uh, John, he had uh, he was a really good outside shooter, right? He was. And what else? He was like kind of scrappy. Yeah, he's like, uh, undersized. Lived on the perimeter for the most part, but he could he could get to the rack when he had to. But kind of sneaky, athletic. He was on those fantastic Arizona teams, like him and and Miles Simon. Didn't they win a national championship? At least one. Yeah, yeah, I think they got one. They got one. Yeah, and then he was on some pretty good good Kings teams back in the day, too. Who's your pro team? Are you you Celtics? So I am Celtics. I'm all all New England sports. All New England. Yeah, because you haven't haven't gone Wizards yet some 
unbelievably you haven't switched teams i've been to a couple games but uh no sticking sticking with my my new england teams that's probably smart so now that you're home and you have two little ones what do you do to keep the kids busy while you train well yeah i think i think everyone out there is kind of with the family is kind of figuring out what what to do these days and i think for us, what's worked is is just getting on a, a schedule and, and sticking to it. So we we generally I get up early before anyone. I get my workout in. So at that point, what goes for the rest of the day, I'll I'll be content. So uh, once the kids get up, get them fed, we try to get them out moving, and then go into schoolwork. Get get the largest chunk of that done before before lunchtime, and then and then afternoon is is activity number two, and and then back to the books. I mean, then we usually give them some type of screen time for a bit, and then so we can maintain our sanity uh, for a little while, and then we go back out. Usually, as the sun's going down for activity number three, and that's pretty much that's been our life these days. I'm I'm still working, however, nice, but just not quite as as long of hours at this point. So it's all about just having a schedule, sticking to that schedule. Exactly. So with the early workouts, because I'm. I'll do light workouts in the morning. It just takes me a long time to get things moving, but the way it's going around here, it gets really, really crowded on the running paths and it's just kind of uneasy. How do you, in the mornings, can you just get up and go or do you need to like drink coffee or like take, cause to me it takes, it takes probably 30 minutes, uh, 30 to 35 minutes of running to start to make it feel like I want to like run hard. And like, if I'm doing a quality session, I just don't want to, I just wake up and I'm like, I'm going to feel awful for most of this. Can you just go and do it? Or do you do anything specific? Yeah, I I can totally relate. I do uh, pop some caffeine sometimes, whether it's a a caffeine tablet Mm. just to get the juice juices flowing. And I, I get out there with a headlamp on, like you said, try to beat the crowds on the, on the running trails. And yeah, I feel the same way. It really kind of takes that like 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes to really, really get into the workout. But uh, yeah, that's, that's sometimes you got to remind yourself you're, you're living on a condensed timeline, especially when I got to go to work at, uh, I got to be into work by seven o'clock. So I can't afford to waste the, the first 30 minutes of that workout either. Right. Totally. So basically just kind of suck it up and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have any, any earth shattering no tricks. Uh, advice, <laughs> advice for Sweet. you. Pop over with caffeine and, and dig deep. <laughs> Thanks. So if you got, if you were to go to one like chain restaurant, not like fast food, but like chain, like Applebee's type of restaurant, what's your favorite chain restaurant? Like sit down chain. I don't know what the technical right. name for that is. Yeah. Sit down chain. I would say, I don't know if this, this would work for you, but a Chipotle, I'd say Chipotle, Qdoba, that type of restaurant. I don't know mm. if you'd consider that sit down. I, I think that's fast casual. That's in the middle. That's like there's <laughs> your fast food. And then maybe it's like a casual, like that's kind of fast casual somewhere where a server comes up and, and takes your order. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I think I could still demolish the uh, Ruby Tuesday salad bar. I think that's probably a safe bet right there. Dude, that's strong. The croutons at the Ruby Tuesdays salad bar are so good. Yeah, I don't I, know what they're I doing. Agree. I think they totally like soak agree. them in oil. They like you like bite them and they're like squishy and like it's just oil all over. Yeah, they like, have yeah, to be like um, hundred calories pure, a piece, but yeah, pure butter. <laughs> they're so good. They're so good. Ruby Tuesdays is a good answer. <laughs> Recently, but my friends like we're all meeting up there for whatever reason. The one just went out of business that was close by, but I went and sat down and I got a steak at Ruby Tuesdays. I was that person. I was like, yeah, bring me a steak in that salad bar. And I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. No judgment here, man. <laughs> so I know uh, you've been, you've been doing some of these challenges. They've been floating around. They're all over the place now. And you've been, you know, doing things to stay busy and being competitive. But if you were to make one challenge, if you could make it up that, you know, you would win, what would it be? Oof. I think probably with the, at least in the OCR community. Yeah. And, and probably it could be anything. Yeah. 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 Just like, if you're like, no one's going to beat me in this, like no matter what, probably, I don't think there's anyone um, who I know who could beat me in a, I'd say a 12 mile foot march with 35 pound pack. Just straight up. Like not even not, nothing. Just, just straight up. You got to put, you got to wear boots. Yeah. You got to wear boots and 35 to 45 pound uh, pack on the back. And uh, yeah, I like my chances. 
How long? So I, I can do it just over an hour and 30 minutes. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. So that would be the challenge to take out. That would be like no fun challenge. Nobody would want to do that against you. No, but... no I'm sure <laughs> – I'm sure Rob Killian would. He'd he'd like to to try. Yeah, he he'd probably be like, oh, we'll see about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's a that's a good not. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, if there was something, it'd be like, uh, for you, it'd be like you know a, a twelve hour run, and then with some some like sh- shooting, and then just something that <laughs> nobody else would ever want to do. <laughs> but the twelve mile march is 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 definitely something that I. I I would not want to do or take you on it. So you got me on that. (laughs) Well, sweet, man. So made it through. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more of your background, who you are as an athlete and what you got going on in OCR. So yeah, currently uh, reside in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, working as a, working in the U S army as a, as an active duty infantry officer work. It's currently on the, on the joint staff at the Pentagon, Uh, father of two boys, like you said, and then getting into my background, well, I do have a, a, a running background from, from a young age. I'd grown up in South Florida doing uh, triathlons, uh, a lot of runs with my, with my folks um, and my sister. Really played five sports through high school and uh, going to a smaller school in Maine. And then just, I ran, I ran track cross country. I was pretty decent, but I only ran to to stay in shape for basketball and basketball has been my, has really been my passion. And while it wasn't my best sport, I decided to play uh, collegiate basketball at, at the division three level, Colby college in, in Maine. And then after, after college, I was looking for that next challenge. I ran my first marathon, my, the fall of my, or no, the springtime of my senior year. And then kind of got hooked on, hooked on running at that point and uh, joined the military. And I've, I've just, I'm hyper competitive and I look for that, that, like that competition wherever I can get it. So in the military, it's been the best ranger competition four times. And uh, then just being a weekend warrior with, with local five Ks, 10 Ks marathons. And then I recently took a, I was offered a broadening assignment here in the DC area to work on my master's degree at Georgetown. So I I earned my master's last year Nice. in in a a master's in, in policy management. And then I moved on to the Pentagon for, for two more years of this, of this assignment. And this has kind of afforded me the time to, to really train and, and really see what my ceiling is. So I've had the time to train and compete. And I really did my first Spartan race outside of the military. I, I did three of them during the Best Ranger competition. But my first real Spartan race wasn't until um, 2018. And I uh, got my first taste, got my butt kicked, like most people say they do in their first sparring race, but I, I was hooked. And uh, last year was able to climb up the ranks a little bit, did pretty well. And then this year was fortunate enough to get selected for the pro team with you. So that's kind of my background in a, in a nutshell. And then on the side, I also have gone into some, a little bit of ultra running, which unfortunately might be my, my strength. But I think like the saying goes, most people would be like a hundred meter runners if they if they were good enough, but <laughs> I guess the, the competition at the ultra level is, isn't quite as good. So that's where I've got to, I've got to go as I get older. I... And not necessarily because of the a lack of talent, but just because of a lack of willingness to do it. <laughs> so many people are like, yeah, you know what? I'll try that. That seems like something that I would like to do. Absolutely. So you meant, you meant, so when you say get your butt kicked, like for me, my first Spartan race was, mentally like physically obviously i was dominated but like mentally i was just absolutely crushed when you say your butt kick were you, did the competition kick your butt or did the race kick your butt the race kicked my butt I, really i felt i felt like i was in uh well yeah yeah i'd say well the race in the sense that it was the obstacles that i had never seen or really trained before a couple of new ones thrown in that year and then the spear throw i still hadn't figured it out or attempted it since the best range of competition the year before. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was in decent shape, but I wasn't in OCR shape, if that makes sense. Like I was, I was in good running shape. I was in, I was in pretty good army, army shape, but I don't know. It's that, it's that OCR specific heart rate through the roof for an extended period of time shape that I was not in at the time. Mm. Which race was that? So my first, my first one was actually the stadium event at uh, DC nationals park. 
Oh, and nice. so I went into the elite way, but you know, like being my first race, they put me back in like wave, you know, four. Right. So I was ca- caught behind the crowds, missed the spear. I think I missed, no, actually, I think I only missed the spear in that, in that one, but I had a, we had just moved here the week before and I had had a box cutter injury in my garage, unpacking some boxes and had to be uh, rushed to the hospital by my wife to get, oh I had like sever an artery in my farm, had to apply oh a tourniquet and everything. And that happened three days, two or three days before that, that race. And so they were able to, yeah. to put some quick clot in, put in, I think five, five stitches into the forearm. I taped it up, but yeah, that my grip strength might've been a little, a little weak for a few weeks after that. But yeah, I, I think I finished 12th in the first one, but I was, I was kind of blown away by the level of competition, even at a, at a smaller uh, stadium event. And I kind of right there was like, yeah, like I'm not in quite the shape that, that I need to be in or uh, that I need to be in to really compete um, in this sport. Uh, Cause I even knew that the top dogs weren't there. I'd followed it enough to know that the, the big names weren't there. So I think a few weeks later I raced in uh in the DC sprint. So mm-hmm. a, a more traditional venue. I thought this would play to my strengths. So I got out, I get out in front. Uh, the spear was like one of the, I think it was the first or second obstacle that year. I missed it. I was able to battle all the way back to catch. It was actually David Magida and uh, Tyler McCready at the time caught them to, to catch right back up to the leaders late in the race, then to only fail. I think it was the rig mm-hmm. failed the rig late the second set of burpees destroyed me. And I think I finished eighth. So those are my first two, my first two events and my kind of my wake up moment, if you will. Cause I could imagine with your background, like high fitness, doing these best ranger competitions where it's more than just running that you were probably like, this is going to be no problem. (laughs) Cause I thought that, and I just was just running and like CrossFit and I was like, I got this. This won't be a big deal. So it must've been a, 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 really hard to like figure out why it was like that. And one thing about you as an athlete, like I'm surprised at your range. Like you mentioned, you knew like, you now you're, you're kind of getting into ultra ultra running and, you know, you played basketball in college and you're fast on the roads. You ran like 53 in change last year for a 10 and you just ran 1530 on a treadmill earlier this year on for 5k. Right. And then finished sixth, sixth at Jacksonville. Seventh. Seventh. And yeah, top 10 finisher at at the U.S. National Series race. And so how did you find out you're this good at that many things? Because it seems like a lot of times people will just kind of stick in one lane. But you seem to kind of be not afraid to kind of branch out. Is that something that you actively try or do you see something and want to try or, or, or do you just kind of find yourself in these situations where you're in different type of events? Yeah, I think that that's that's can kind of been my I, I guess a blessing and a curse over my athletic career is is being is being I guess above average at just about everything, but not being like a specialist or overwhelmingly good at at one specific event. That's kind of what drove me to OCR is is the the guys who can your pure runners aren't gonna aren't gonna be there at the end, and the guys who are I mean CrossFit animals who can or rock climbers or can get across those obstacles with no problem, but can't run. Those guys aren't going to last either. You got to find that, that balance. And that's kind of what drove me, drove me to the sport. And I think the, I think my military background uh, definitely, definitely plays into it. And just looking at, at the fitness required for serving in, in the Ranger Regiment or in the infantry in general, you've got to, you've got to have the endurance, but then you also got to have the, the strength and power to perform that job and you'll, you'll be exposed if, if you can't do any of those things. So I've always tried to pride myself on, you know, not getting embarrassed in the, in the gym while doing CrossFit, um, not getting embarrassed on the road and all that stuff kind of translate into, into OCR. And you mentioned the best ranger competition. I think many of us are familiar with that in the OCR world because we talk about Robert Killian so much and he had, he won what in 2016, him and his partner. He did. Yep. So, and just from like, we understand just by the name of it is probably some big, crazy competition, but could you tell us a little bit more about it? Like what exactly goes along with the best ranger competition? 
So in, in short, it's a, so each, each unit in the army, for the most part, will send teams of two. So usually 50 to 50, I think four teams is the most I've seen um, from across the army. Two man teams will show up to Fort Benning in Georgia uh, for a competition. And it's, it's a 62 plus hour event. So it's, it goes over a three day period and there's no sleep programmed in there. And uh, it generally starts with a, a run, a buddy run of anywhere between five to eight miles is the first event. And then your finishing placement of that first event, like kind of leads you through the succession of events for the rest of the day, all the way and through to that first night. And so 50, 54 teams will take off on the road together and you've always got to stay with your partner. And when you finish that first event, depending on the weight of that event, you'll be scored from either one to 54. The first place team will get 54 points. If it's a weighted one event, if it's a weighted two event, they'll get 108 points and so on. And that last place team will get one point or two points or three points or whatever the weight of that, of that event is. And you'll move. So you'll, right as you finish that, that first run, you're right into an obstacle course. And then the obstacle course might be into another movement, but they're, Going from event to event is always, you're always moving. So you might be swimming, you might be rucking with a ruck on your back, you might be just running with your partner, you might be carrying a litter uh, with weight on it. And then you'll be moving from events where you're shooting various weapon systems or they'll be testing your, your technical ability. And you do that throughout out day one. And then the conclusion of day one is a road march, usually between, so, a, a foot march where you're you're with your your rucksack and your partner and you and you ruck through the night. So you run usually 16 to 20 miles through through the night. And when you finish, they usually cut the field to 24 teams generally. And so you make the cut after day one. And then day two is actually started with a Spartan race three of the years that I competed. And that's a Spartan race. And then it's mostly technical tasks, which involve like kind of like rock climbing repelling hand grenades a little more marksmanship some like first responder medical tasks and then some mystery events tossed in here and there and then your second night you go into is usually the worst night because you haven't slept to this point it's usually eight to 12 hours of land navigation which is you know just finding points and every every point has a value and so you usually pick up 15 ish 15 20 miles depending on on how uh, eager and I guess how well your team is doing. And then the third day, you, you, right as you finish that land navigation, you go right into some more technical tasks with a helo cast. So you jump out of a helicopter to the water, uh, swim in with some, with your rucksack, you do the Darby queen obstacle course, and then it finishes generally with a, a two to three mile run. And so, and it's over a three day period, you cover, upwards of 65 miles, most of that with a rucksack on your back. And it's, it's a heck of a challenge and you, you, there, you can't have a weakness if you're a great runner or just a great rucker and uh, dominate the physical events, which unfortunately is what my team generally did is that's how we stayed um, up towards the top is through the physical events. And then we found ways to shoot ourselves in the foot in more of the technical events by getting penalized or just not performing well. And those are just kind of the, kind of what happens when you're a team that we always, we stayed in our jobs and we didn't go on special duty. Like some of the other teams are, are pulled from their jobs and they train specifically for, for a few months leading up to it. And they're at just at a extreme advantage over, over your guys who still are, are going into work every day and, and doing their jobs and training, training on the side uh, when they can. So we just weren't up to speed on a lot of tactical tasks to really contend to win, so, but still, still had a top five finish in there, which uh, we're pretty proud of. And, and that's interesting because that's kind of the paradox that a lot of these athletes who may be sub elite or age groupers who do prepare for races like uh, Sweden or these 24 or world's toughest mutter, they don't really have m- that much wiggle room to train for a 24 hour race when they have jobs and families and, and, and lives outside of training. So how would you prepare for a race with that required no sleep that like didn't allow sleep and and then like 
what kind of preparation would you do when you also were still like kind of on the job and you weren't just training for it? Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great question. I, I think what, what our philosophy was as a team was generally to go into these events healthy first and foremost and, and very easy to, when you're training for a 24 hour event or best ranger competition to go in already banged up. So we would limit our volume knowing that we might not be like as prepared as we, we possibly could be, but we're going to go in healthy and, and just, and that was the most important thing. So I think any team who went in with anything bothering them, never, they always watched out. So I think that was first and foremost. And then it was just the very variability of training. We, we would just get one really hard workout in a week on the weekend when we could. And it would usually be a, like a four to five hour effort. And some, sometimes that's running with just boots on. And then throughout there, we're going to, we're going to throw in events that simulate the the competition or uh, the next time we might, you know, we might, we might swim for over an hour, which was never fun for me, but we're going to, I don't know, just, we always wanted to do, we didn't want to be doing an event for the very first time in the best ranger competition. So we tried to simulate the conditions as much as possible. And so those long efforts on the weekend, we would always incorporate what we anticipated we'd see, we'd see in the event, if that makes sense. It does. And it's very unknown. Like even that first run, right. That you start and you don't know how long it's going to be. You just go, right. Don't they just just kind of tell you when it's, when it's over. And that's interesting. And I think that's a really strong takeaway to go into an event like this healthy, because it is really like the, the amount of running or activity you're going to have to do for a 24 hour, even OCR event is just looming over you that if I could see wanting to push the volume so high just to be physically ready. But when you don't, is there like mental stress then when you're like, okay, I'm going to get there healthy, even if I know I'm not going to be in the best physical shape. How do you mentally prepare to take on an event that's going to be so long when like you've never physically done it? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. The, I will say that each year that I, I competed in that competition that it was easier than the year before. So I think what I would say is just to put yourself in as many brutal um, situations physically and mentally as possible going into it um, and just like deepen that well, if you will. And um, so when you're, when you're getting there at hour 12, 16, 20, you may not have been there before, but you've been there at hour eight um, or 10. You just don't want to be hitting that point at hour two. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with to get to a, an event, you know, even now you're doing longer events. If you, you did like a 12-hour event or a 24-hour event, if you were, were to do one coming up this year, like you have this bulk of training from the military that kind of has mentally hardened you, would you say? Like what kind of things could somebody do who – doesn't have that because it kind of sounds like that's what more or less you relied on was that training that you've had and the preparation over the course of years to go in and be like, all right, if this sucks, like I know how to make it suck. What are some things people could do to make it suck? Yeah, I, I think uh, so. So Colonel retired Ralph Puckett, who's a, a legend in the in the Ranger community, once told me he said he said Mark do something hard every day, and I remind myself of that on just about every training run, I always say like, what have I done? What have I done hard today? Um, not saying to do this every single day on your, on your, on your training run, but don't be an idiot, but, <laughs> but sometimes I'll like, I don't know, unintentionally uh, derail what I had planned and do something I really don't want to do mid uh, mid run on like my, my, my hard effort on a weekend. So on like a Saturday, I'm out there. I'm saying, all right, I'm just going to get in some miles. I'm going to run an hour in 20 minutes and I've got my route in my head and I'm going. And sometimes that, that like mantra will creep into my head. And I know that I'm kind of just going through the motions that day. And I'll just think of like, what is something I really like don't want to do while I'm out here right now. And usually it involves some type of climbing on some hill or carrying something. And I'll, force myself to do that and really kind of break up my entire workout. And I've done that. I've done that a couple of times recently on my longer runs, but yeah, I think it's different for everybody. Uh, you just kind of got to find those mental challenges 
and play those head games with yourself to, I don't know, to just build that toughness and, and deepen the, deepen the well. And it definitely is going to be different for everybody, right? Cause what sucks for me might not suck for you and vice versa. And there is definitely like an intangible piece of OCR that is hard to train for. And it's sometimes these high level, like I think with the high level elites, there's something there that they have that isn't just physical. And I think this ability to make things suck and to not be phased by it is, is that honestly, like there's a toughness component of this that does separate definitely the top 1% from everybody else. Um, so I like the idea of, of, of having that mantra. Do you, do you, is that just always something that's ingrained in you now? Like, what did I do hard today? Or are you having to constantly like remind yourself of that? Or is it just always there? No, definitely. Yeah. I'm not that hard. Definitely have to still remind myself, still remind myself occasionally. Cause yeah, I'm like, I'm like anyone else. I definitely, uh, find myself going through the motions and I don't know, not, not pushing quite as hard as I should on my hard days. And that, I think that goes back to, I know, I think we've talked about this on our, on a run we went to, but, um, that we, yeah, last time we, when we cooled down in Jacksonville, I think we talked about that most people, they don't train hard enough on their hard days and they train too hard on their easy days. And I think, I think I've heard that echoed a few times on, on your podcast. And I think it's, it's a a good point to bring it up because I found myself recently on my, my so called hard days. I'd say packing it in. So I think reminding yourself like, you know, once or twice a week, like here are my goals coming out of this. And like, I'm going to destroy myself on Wednesday and and Sunday this week. But those other days also like dialing it back. So when Wednesday and Sunday come along, like you're, you're chomping at the bit and you're ready to go. And that's a great point. Cause sometimes it's hard to go easy for a lot, a lot of a lot of times when people have this goal and they want to run fast and they want to be like oh I want to I want to run a 730 mile I want to average 730 mile they just crank it up to that every single time and like yes that's doing something hard every day but what might be hard for them is to back it off run easy that might mentally suck for you and that could really kind of counter kind of count as this what am I doing hard today and might be preparing for that next workout so you can really push hard and and drive yourself into the dirt and that's a that's a really good one to kind of keep in place and what other type of when you're kind of going through your training and and figuring out what what you're what you're going to do like how else do you kind of guide yourself through your training like do you have any specific philosophies or anything you follow yeah so i i will say normally the, the last few weeks i've i've kind of fallen off the wagon with my very regimented uh training calendar but normally i I have my my training down usually one to two weeks out, and I have it broken down by day. And I don't I don't stray from it, even if I do feel rundown. I know a lot of people like, hey, I wake up, I'm not feeling it that day, but I will always stick to it. I just will that like if I'm not feeling it, I will like dial it back. I guess the intensity, but I'm still going to execute, and I and I hold myself accountable because you, you'll find yourself. 90% of the time when you start letting yourself get away with that, that you're just going to be like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go for a four mile run. So I hold myself to it and I'll just dial back the intensity. If I just feel like my body <laughs> needs more of a break that day. But what I do is I've, I've a very regimented uh, training, like down to the the day, Monday through Sunday of like Monday is going to be my, my long run. Tuesday is going to be my more strength focused. And I'll, I'll break that out day by day. And I stick to that. And I, I make sure that it's like a, it's a calendar that's, that's scalable, that's scalable for specific training blocks, but also scalable for my taper weeks. So even in my taper weeks, I'm still going to stick to the same, you know, the same harder efforts on my Wednesdays and Saturdays because Saturdays is my race day. So that's going to, you know, fill in for that, that hard effort that day. But if Monday is my, it's still going to be my leg work. Even on race week, I'm going to do something involving my legs on Monday, but it's just going to be scaled back considerably if that if that makes sense. And then um, going into to harder harder training blocks, say Tahoe or Abu Dhabi, wherever Palmerton, whatever race I have coming up in that in that training block, I'm going to stick to the same principles day by day. But I'm obviously going to amp up those areas that I I really think are specific to that approaching event. Mm. And I like what you said about being 
like holding yourself accountable. Cause I think a lot of times people are like, Oh yeah, I train hard, but they don't have it in stone. And if they really took a, a look back at everything, they might not be as consistent as they think. So I'm with you. I have stuff written out. Even if my like HRV or whatever looks like shit, like I'm still going to do what I, what I have planned out because <laughs> if you took care of your training and you took care of your recovery, you should be fine, <laughs> you know? And so that was also something that I did want to ask you about because last year Palmerton was the first time where we, where we actually met. I didn't know who you were during, like before the race and during the race, we were kind of back and forth the whole time. I actually thought you were Taylor Turney and I thought, and I saw, <laughs> and Taylor was with us too. And I was like, how is Taylor all over this race? I have no, <laughs> but <laughs> after the race, so I think, you know, we raced together. I think I finished sixth. You missed the spear that day, right? I did. Yeah. And so, and so you were back a little bit, but the race, we weren't really in contention. We were kind of getting our butts kicked being honest. Yeah. And you don't live in a mountainous area. You, you know, you live right in the suburbs of DC. And then later that year, you had really good showings in West Virginia and a great showing in Tahoe. So you mentioned tailoring your training specifically to what might be coming up, whether that is uh, a Palmerton or Tahoe or West Virginia. So how do you go about preparing for mountains like that when you don't really have anything like that with you? Yeah. So Palmerton last year was my 2019 humbling moment. So I, I showed up completely unprepared for that, that race. Do you know, did you know that you were, did you know like that what was coming? Or we just like, ah, fuck it, we'll see. Or, yeah. So I think I'd raced. Uh, had I raced in? So it was. It was, was it July? It was July, July. last year. Yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. I think June. I had. Uh, I had uh, Fayetteville and DC on the calendar, and I really focused in on those. Completely, completely lost sight of Palmerton kind of looming. And by the time that I had transitioned my training to um, start preparing for the the climbing, I was way, way too late. And I got, I got demolished there. Not only did I have the wrong shoe sock combination, which destroyed my feet um, on some of the descents. I was just terrible on, on every climb and every descent in that race. But to, to your point, kind of training while living in Washington, DC for the elevation uh, change is yeah, a lot of creativity, mostly a lot of running on uh a lot of running on the treadmill, a lot of sandbag carries on a treadmill. I don't think I did one of those before Palmerton last year. <laughs> the place where you really and, should do sandbags on an incline. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, I didn't even know double sandbag was a thing. So I was kind of relieved when they, they said it was going to be one last year. Yeah. But yeah, I, after, after Palmerton, I came home and I just, I think every weekend I was scouting out any type of hill in in like the alexandria virginia dc area and i found them and i was just like running them on repeat carrying things up them and then i think what i found is as you start training for the mountains that that mountain training like that stuff like transfers across it transfers to the road it just builds like an incredible engine. And just to, I guess, to for my little push on, on hill running and hill training is for like the last five years now, I've run the Army 10 miler and I've put in like specific on the road speed work training for the Army 10 miler. And I PR'd last year in, in, in 2019 after not doing any 10 mile specific training. And it's coming right out of Tahoe where I was doing only only hill running, just building that, just building that engine. So it's terrible. I hate running hills, <laughs> but if, if you're looking for one thing to improve, I guess, prove your stamina across like all terrain and distances, like hill running is right up there. And are you spending, are you hitting it hard? Cause I mean, the hills probably aren't 500 feet that you're finding, right? They're probably right. what, like 180 like, are you, are you just hitting them yeah. hard on there or you just kind of go up and going up and down? Like say when you're not on a treadmill, like when you're go, being able to work at like the ascents and descents. <clears throat> yep. So I think, so one thing, one training that I do quite frequently is I found a, it's about a third of a mile hill, which is huge around here. And you, it's got two different uh, ways to the, 
to the peak, if you will. And one of is a, is a trail, which is pretty technical terrain. And then the other one is like a more of a golf cart path, sidewalk up to the top. So what, what I do is I'll run hard. I'll run hard up and then easy down. And then I'll go easy up, hard down. Cause I'm also mm. a terrible, terrible downhill runner. I, that's where I lost all my time in Tahoe is on the, on the descents. So that's really been my, my focus this off season is getting better at that. And I, I don't know if I've gotten any better. I guess we'll find out when we, <laughs> when we get to Palmerton, but that was like, I learned to climb last year. Hopefully this year I can, I can learn to run downhill. So it's just repetition and just uh, absolutely getting yep. there and, and, and getting on, going after the things that have given you problems, like attacking those weaknesses. And right. and that was also something that I wanted to ask you about with your carries because not really a big dude. You know, you have a background that is uh, hard. Like I'm sure you've carried a lot of stuff. You, you said the thing that nobody else would beat you in was you carrying some shit for a long time. Do you feel like it is because of the work that you're putting in or is there like an attribute that people have that make them good at carries? It's one of those intangibles that kind of along the lines of like doing something hard every day, like let's make this suck. Or is it like, what have you found when it comes to carry training? <clears throat> yeah, I, I tell myself that all that, that time under a rucksack uh, is paying off for me. Uh, that's what I like to tell myself every time I pick up one of those, pick up the double sandbag. But I, I think, I think a lot of it's grit. I think a lot of it's just not giving in. Cause I think out of, out of all the, all the carries um, like a sandbag on a, or a bucket on a, on a uh, incline is probably the easiest point to give in mentally in a, in a race. I don't know. Would you agree with that? It's just so it's easy to let yourself off the hook because you're going slow already. So you're like, Oh, I'm not going fast. So there's no real reason to push because you just think you're going as fast as you can when you're not. Right. <laughs> it feels like it's like you, you, you talk yourself into just, I talk myself into just, all right, let's just get through this as opposed to like, let's attack this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's where, where the mindset I think kicks in. And, and one thing that, that I try to do for myself when I pick up the sandbag, I know the thought creeps in every single time. Like, Hey, let's just, let's maintain here. Let's stay, stay calm and focused and relaxed. And we'll let's recover through the sandbag carry and then we'll pick it up after. And I know that that thought ke creeps into my head every time. And do I pick it up after? Probably not. Cause I'm, it's gonna, it's gonna be terrible either way. Mm -hmm. Like, so now I know, hey, everyone else is probably having that thought creep in and they're just gonna be like, hey, I'm just gonna relax and, you know, survive this carry. And I tell myself when I pick it up, like, hey, that guy who's, you know, 15 seconds ahead of me right now, that's creeping into his head right now. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take advantage of that. And that's, that's the mindset I, that I try to take. And I usually, I don't think I'm the best with the carries, but I'm, I'm usually towards above average with the, with the top guys. Definitely. And Another thing we used to do this like in high school, I think we used to think about if we actually were thinking the same things that we're both, if that person's hurting, I, if I'm hurting, I know that person's hurting and I'm going to be able to hurt worse than they are. And that's just another way to right. kind of put yourself in that mindset. But you're right. Cause nobody likes the sandbag. No one's like sick. Give me this. Even if they do really well <laughs> at it and they might be looking forward to it to like make up time. They're not like, Oh, this is going to be an enjoyable situation for me. Nope. And no. <laughs> and so do you just kind of go time, like time spent carrying something or do you kind of work those into like a specific regimen or is it more just like, Hey, let's make this suck. Yeah. I, I have a pretty good routine out back of my, at my house right now. And it, it's about a quarter mile loop. And I just do, uh, I try to simulate like an obstacle and then I'll just try to run, make it hurt as much as possible on, on a quarter mile repeat, um, with the bag. And then I've taken, I've taken a bucket and I've, I have a double bucket. So I have a, a bucket inside of another one. Uh, so it's a little bit longer and awkward, but it adds, I added rock to the bottom, like that little, a few inches of uh, space between the buckets. So my bucket probably sits uh, five or six pounds heavier nice. than the ones that we, that we get in a race. And it, it's actually this old white, like, I think it's a horse food feed bucket that my sister gave me and it's got these like jagged edges on it and it just like beats me up and it's heavier and i train with that thing so when i get in the race i feel like i'm like sprinting with like a nice smooth 
uh, smaller, lighter bucket. So that's that's one thing I do. Doing a little bit of like over, like overload training with your carries for sure. Definitely. And I know you work with Dave Magida a little bit. You mentioned him a little bit before, and his gym is Elevate Interval Fitness right out of DC, which is more like interval based training, more or less, right? Right. And so how, do, how, how does that kind of work in? Because how do you fit that into your training and what kind of help do you feel like this high intensity type of training has for you? So really, I think this is where I, I really started to turn the corner in uh, OCR last season is after I met David at uh, the DC Sprint. He invited me into the studio the next day. So we raced on Saturday, Sunday morning, we're in there just going head to head. And I think that's another, I guess, philosophy principle that I that I try to live by is, is training with people who are, are better than you in certain disciplines. So, so David's, he's a stronger, stronger guy, but he's got incredible speed too. And we'll get in the gym and just in these interval trainings, that guy, he, he can get up to some pretty incredible speeds on the, on the treadmill and just pushes me to, to really push my threshold. And then we hop off the, the woodway treadmills and we'll be doing a lot of, you know, CrossFit type kettlebell movements some rowing, some assault bikes where he's got an extremely high threshold and, and pain tolerance on that stuff. So he pushes me insanely hard. I try to try to push him back. And yeah, I think if you can ever find yourself training with people who are better, you better than you in certain disciplines, like it can only, it can only help. So my, my training partner back in, in Kansas was a collegiate national champion, a 5k runner by the name of Tim Nelson, who's a was a 13, a sub 1350 5k uh, runner. And so he would just punish me on the track during speed workouts. Um, and then I would train in the gym with, with one of my coworkers who was just an animal CrossFitter. And those guys just demolished me and humbled me in both venues, um, <laughs> which, Hey, if you, you, sometimes you got to swallow your pride and, and take your lumps and just, and, and know it'll work out in your favor in the long run. And so now that you're kind of you're figuring out which ways are going to help you the most and adding a lot of different things in here, what kind of direction are you taking this year? Like what do you, what kind of things do you feel like are going to help you move the needle the most when it gets to, to get to that like next level? I think I, I think I need to, to really figure out how to, how to, like we, like we talked about, figure out how to run, run downhill when we're, we're getting into championship season, West Virginia and, Tahoe, especially, um, not, not really sure what Abu Dhabi is going to look like, or if I'll be able to get out there. But I think, I think for me, that's my my biggest weakness. And then I think, like all of us, I, I need I can be more efficient on on obstacles. I find myself. I don't know if you feel this way too, but my mentality went from surviving obstacles to being, hey, I should be average at these, and now it should be like hey, I should I should be making up time on these, and I really need to be exploding out of out of each obstacle. Um, but I still find myself in Jacksonville. I was, I like hold my breath on obstacles, you know, like you jump on the monkey bars and instead of like breathing and kind of relaxing, getting through in like an efficient manner. I find myself like tense, holding my breath to get through fast. Once I hit the ground after the bell, you know, like gasping and it's really hard to get back in on your stride. And then you watch guys like, like Ryan Atkins and, just super smooth and efficient across the across every obstacle and the second his feet hit the ground he's just right back into right back into stride where it takes some of us who are are not quite as efficient who may be better runners um it might take us 10 15 seconds to to get back up to pace which we've already lost time at that point yeah so kind i think of those are kind of I was going to say, it kind of negates like the advantage that a faster runner would have. And again, that's why OCR is awesome, but it's also why it sucks because <laughs> like trying to practice those. It's an interesting point about holding your breath because you will, I will feel that way. I feel like I come off of an obstacle and I should be ready to rock. And like, how could that possibly take taken so much out of me? And do you feel like that's something that it just comes with practice or is that a mindfulness thing for that as well as just, it's like, Hey, just stay relaxed, stay smooth. Or is it like a confidence thing? Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of both. I'll, I'll say definitely the repetition is, has really increased my, my confidence on obstacles. I think I used to pause, you know, for a second 
before I hopped on every obstacle and was just like super cautious. And that's not going to cut it with this level of competition. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the deal when at this point, especially seeing how close at the top level everybody really is, there is no place to have like shortcomings. So being able to really kind of focus on those and, and, and shorten those gaps even a little bit is just going to help kind of close, close things even, even more. How do you go about doing that type of obstacle training? Is that something that Dave has, has at his gym or is it something you kind of have to work on on your own out back or what do you do? Yeah. So mostly I unfortunately have to do it in a, in a gym setting. So mm -hmm. what I try to do is I wheel the, wheel the assault bike next to the treadmill and I have a, a pull-up bar right there. And just for like a, a workout idea, a lot of times I'll have the treadmill on zero incline and I'm going, I'm going, you know, 10 to 12 miles an hour for three minutes. And then I'm immediately popping that treadmill to three minutes on a, you know, like a, maybe a 7% incline and I'm more, you know, steady looking like seven to eight and a half miles per hour on that, just plugging along. And then I'll bump it to 20 plus um, percent incline and get my heart rate through the roof. And now I'm just like power hiking for three more minutes. And then I'll hop off after nine and I'll go right into something super grip intensive on, on the pull-up bar, whether it's uh, toes to bar, uh, knees mm. to elbow or something that involves like some type of focus and grip strength, like an obstacle. And, and then I'm right onto the assault bike for, you know, trying to get that, that heart rate right back up for three more minutes. And then I'm back on the, on the treadmill. And then sometimes I'll break that up where between every three minutes, I'm hitting a different simulated obstacle, if you will. And would this qualify as one of your intensity days then? Like, is this one of your two hard workouts or are they all OCR or some like running specific? Like, will you go out and be like, okay, today's three by mile at five thirty, or, or is it always like some sort of OCR specific a spin on everything? So that, that would definitely be a, one of my hard workouts. But no, my hard workouts are not always OCR specific. Some are, some might just be a, you know, like a, a 10 mile time trial, which mm. is by yourself is a, can be a lonely, brutal workout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be, but yeah, no, no, not every hard workout is, is OCR specific. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll ruck march with a, with a pack on just to do that, that occasionally, but yeah, try to, like we've talked about, try to try to keep that base in, in a lot of different, I guess, a lot of different energy systems. Which is the challenge, right? Like, because like what is going to transfer and like, what is going to help fitness versus what's going to help OCR. And like, how do you, for me, that's where I struggle. It's like, how do I know what is going to be best suited when, you know, it's like, when is it to be the best, like the best possible runner versus like, when is it important to need to have that threshold moving in and out, which is why it's important to have things periodized and, and moving and like how you said what race is coming up and then figuring out how to work toward it, toward it now, which is what's strange because now we don't have any races. So it's like, what do we, what do we do here? Yeah. Well, cool, man. So what are some of your goals this year? I mean, I'm, I may have to reevaluate once they finally start opening things up again, but I think right now, my goal is a top five finish in the U S national series. And I don't know what the national series looks like, but that, that remains a goal. And then a, a top 10 finish at the, at the world championships, if I can get there, those are, are my two a goals. And then, and then I know David's been trying to talk me off this, but I still, I think my favorite events are the, the 24 hour plus event. So I'm still, <laughs> I am, I'm still eyeing the 24 hour ultra world championships in, in Vermont. And I could, could definitely see if, if kind of the rest of the season doesn't work out in our favor, then, you know, going all in on, on one event, it'd be fun to, to go all in on that and see, see how I stack up against the Ryan Atkins in Vermont. Dude, I would love to see that. And yeah, cause with the, the national series, 
who knows? Like, are they going to redo it? Is it just going to be a couple races? Is it, are they just going to scrap it? What would you qualify for the, would you just try to find some race before to qualify for the worlds at, could you, is it possible to do Killington and Abu Dhabi? I guess it could be, right? It, it is. I think it's doable. I think the, the harder one to swing at this point is Tahoe and Killington. Oh, I think they're, yeah. They're back to back, back to back weekends. And Killington is before Tahoe. So I don't know who plans to run 24 hours and then, you know, go run that brutal course in Tahoe the next weekend. It's, I mean, it's definitely doable. It's just, I know I'd be pretty beat, beat up heading out there. Yeah. Like what cost? And I don't know what qualifications are going to be like for Abu Dhabi. Have they really said? I haven't seen it. It's like, are you going to have to run Tahoe to, to qualify through? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I hope not. <laughs> Have you ever done that much elevation of things? Like, cause Killington, the ultra or, or who knows what a freaking 24 hour race, what kind of elevation you get on something like that. How would you, how would you handle something with that? You think it would just come back to that best ranger type of training and just be like, put yourself in the suck and just go. Yeah, I, th- I think I would just have to, I would lean heavily on, on personal experience and, and just get in as, as much elevation training as possible on the treadmill on, in this, the local area. But yeah, I, that's one where I think we're all going to go in and, and not have as much enough elevation training under our belts as we, as we wish, yeah. except maybe, maybe Rob Killian and out where he lives and, and probably Ryan Atkins. He looks like he's got a great place to train too. Yeah, but how could you? How could you possibly prepare for that much? It doesn't seem like it should be something that you can physically go and then like bounce back. So, do you enjoy these like super long ones? Like, do you like being out there for a day, like in retrospect, or is it just because you just are like good at it, or are you like fired up for it? No, I I really get fired up for them. I I actually enjoy them, and I think it's the the less urgency that you feel in the race, like you can kind of, it's 24 hours. You can relax and kind of just like take in the scenery and enjoy it to a point. And then you kind of, when you stop enjoying it, you kind of reach that point where you're like, all right, like, let's see what I have and let's see what, like how far I can really take my mind and my body. And I think that is like addicting also, but yeah, I think that that lack of urgency is something that I really enjoy. And I've noticed that as you get as you get more fit though, and like as I got into the ultra running scene, I, I noticed that a fifty miler, which I used to think was really relaxing and enjoyable, can also turn into something that's not enjoyable. And there is a a great sense of urgency when you're running with the top guys because you can't let your foot off the uh, the gas for a second over a fifty mile, which is which was an insane for me to think a few years ago that seems just mentally so stressful like worrying about making mistakes in a race that is 50 miles long yeah because you what you were top 30 times in the u.s for top 30 or top 40 yeah i think it was 28th or 28th yep overall best time in a 50 miler last year and that was the only 50 miler you really ran right yep that was the only one so I, I can't imagine. That's just where ultra is going, man. Is people are just so good. People are just getting crazy at the ultra stuff. Do you think those runners? Do you think those people could come over to OCR? Like, do, what do you think? Like a, an ultra, like a you know, like a Zach Bitter type or someone like that who is incredible at ultra distances. Do you think they could come over to OCR and do well just because of the grit factor? I think they, I think they could definitely make the transition, but I. I don't think it would be like an immediate transition. Like we, you know, like most of us thought when we came over, I think they would run into the same issues that we would in that like obstacle proficiency and like that, just the, the OCR specific training that you have to put in to compete with the top guys in this sport, really tough just to be a, like a jack of all trades and, and come in and compete. You really got to, you've really got to specialize now with how good everyone is. It's true. And I think, I think about that sometimes I'm like, why, like, how come these high level runners don't just do some pull-ups and then come over here and just be able to kind of do some grip stuff and just see like if their fitness level can take you there. 
but I just don't think they like training that way. I don't, I just think it's a, it's a different thing at this point that your training has to adjust. You can't, you can't train to run 1350 and do an obstacle course race. You know, it just doesn't work. They're not, they don't overlap that well anymore. Um, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And you'll notice that, or I found that, that those guys too don't have a, a lot of them don't have a desire to make that they're, they're so good at what they do that like, why would they come over? It's mostly guys like me who are like, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good on the road, but Hey, I could probably be better at this stuff. And that's kind of been the one thing. Cause I've challenged a, a couple of guys who, who just toast me. I mean, sub 50 minute guys on the road in the 10 mile, like I think high 48 uh, is one of them, a good buddy named uh, Sam, Sam Kozgi. He runs on the, on the, the uh, army team, right? US Ar- on the army 10 miler team. Yeah. I used to run with him at, at Fort Riley and we were sitting around stretching one day and I was telling him I was going to start pursuing uh, OCR. And he looked at me like I was, I was crazy. Um, and I told him he should, he should join me. And he just, he just laughed. He's like, no, nah, I'll stick to, I'll stick to this running. But the difference is he weighed 118 pounds. <laughs> right. And he's, and he was African born, right? He's like, he was, yeah. Born? yeah. Yeah. Kenyan. Uh, I think he's, he's Ugandan, but same, same tribe. Gotcha. But yeah. And here I am standing there at 165, 170 pounds at the time. And yeah, like I can't hang with him on the road, but I knew that like you put, you put that sandbag on my back and some obstacles in the way, like he's going to, he's going to struggle considerably. So it's tough to get guys that are that good though, away from the road. Cause they're, they really have no reason to leave. That would be the most interesting like thing ever if they put some you know high level runner like that whose fitness is just astronomically better than what ours would be on the road or any really type of running distance because I'm sure he can excel you know marathon through like eight hundred and just to see what would happen like could he get so far ahead of us that or would he just absolutely crumble like would the sandbag put him in the dirt? <laughs> Yeah, I think he would. I think he would surprise us on, on some of the carries. And I, but I think you'll notice even. I mean, as a as a great runner yourself, you'll probably notice that, like the uneven terrain that's constantly, you know, getting your with your stride broken by uh, short dips and running through water and uneven rocky terrain. Like that stuff, really, like kind of cuts the cuts the runners off at the legs a lot of times and you can't open up on guys who are just like just pure grinders that have those like unbreakable ankles that can just you know just run through that those muddy areas without a, without a, a concern like for me I, I worry about like breaking a an ankle or a foot with all the injuries I've had on my <laughs> on my ankles and and that stuff that'll slow you down too and I just wonder how those guys like getting them off the road in some some gnarly terrain if if that slows them down a little bit too. I think that'd be the biggest part is just that they wouldn't want to handle that type of terrain. There's no rhythm behind it. They can't, they almost can't, you almost can't like access your fitness when the terrain is so nasty. You can't get to that point. That's so much higher than everybody else's. Really, it's like sitting just below it and you can't just really push because everything is just a disaster. <laughs> like every, everything is broken yep. up. You're on, you fall down sometimes and and I think, I think that would be like the biggest thing for them. Yeah. They could probably do fine on the sandbag. And like, yeah, if they do go to a rock climbing gym once a week for like three months, they'll probably be fine. But yeah, I think it's the terrain, terrain that will ultimately catch up to them. Well, sweet man, dude, this is great. I really appreciate you popping on. Uh, I don't want to take up all day. So where can people find this? I mean, you're going to do new us national series potentially, and then maybe do some ultra stuff. What about uh, your, your socials? <clears throat> Um, what do you mean by socials? What's your uh, social media? Oh, social media. Yeah. You can find me on, on Instagram, Mark got at 85. I'm on Facebook too. Don't really post there that quite often, but yeah, reach out if you're, especially if you're in the DC area, once things, uh, settle down around here, always looking for great, uh, training partners, regardless of, of fitness levels and always fun to meet new people and, also love to hop in open waves of, of any Spartan event and help anyone out if they're interested or I'll, I'll take advice from anyone else. You guys probably have a, 
have some advice for me on some of these obstacles. Rich and I went out on our after Jacksonville and we're practicing obstacles after after looking like a bunch of amateurs out there. Uh, I spent the many many minutes on that Z wall. I was like, how the fuck <laughs> is this Z wall get done like that? <laughs> are you doing the Are you doing the Unbreakable stuff? Have you been doing that? Did you do the burpees and the push ups? Yeah, I'm, I'm did, not too good right? at, at most of that stuff. Yeah, I think I did an hour or a minute and four minutes or a minute and four seconds for the burpees and 44 hand release pushups, which is probably embarrassing because that's part of our new PT test um, <laughs> for, the, for the army. So yeah, I got, I got some work to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm like my, my push strength isn't great. That's really something that we don't do in obstacle course racing or in running. So it's interesting that we're just doing pushing stuff, but I know it's just, just, just to get people interested in stuff. But yeah, I was saying when I was like 101 and I did 45 but uh, some people I, are, I had one on me some people are smashing like our, our buddy josh he's got he he did like burpees in like 51 seconds i saw forrest did his burpees in like 44 seconds or something like that yeah i don't that's insane i don't even know how that's possible he's pretty he's he's a wrestler and he's pretty he's pretty short so he's like on the ground up like yeah. really freaking fast got the i yeah, got the build and this week this week is jump squats did you see that Yep. Yeah. I'll get in on it. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm enjoying it. The virtual races are, are interesting too. I just try to plan that at least a segment of my, of my hard run on the weekends into whatever distance I choose. And then when I get, when I get back, I jump into the, and just knock out whatever the 20, 25 obstacles are afterwards. And post oh, you, you did do that? Was that fun? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good challenge. Somehow I, I, I thought I posted in the, in the super, but they put my time in the sprint. So I did like a, you know, so I like, I finished like 500 place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, the, the, the leaderboard's kind of weird. It's not, I don't, I wouldn't like, even though for the unbreakable challenge, it doesn't really make any sense for the pushups. They had it as a time somehow. And I don't know what they're doing with the leaderboards, but I'm freaking holding i'm doing all these i'm doing the push-ups and i'm doing the burpees i'm gonna do these squat jumps holding out hope that the last one is going to be a 5k that you send them a strava segment because damn it give us some running in this thing <laughs> absolutely yeah i i don't know if that's coming though it seems to be something you can do in your living room with no equipment so be like jumping uh, lunges or something next yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i'm not liking our chances I think we're, yeah, I think we're just, we're chalked on this one, but oh well. Well, sweet, dude. All right, well, I'm going to hit stop. So appreciate okay. you popping on and everybody for listening. We will talk to you soon.